Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the San Pascal Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. Right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. I'm going to be talking about a behind-the-scenes photo that was taken on the set of the Avatar sequels. Dakota Johnson is joining Olivia Wilde's next film and a whole lot more. But the first thing I do want to acknowledge first is a poll that I put out on Twitter yesterday that I said was going to come out with the episode of the podcast yesterday. And that was asking about New Mutants. And I was talking yesterday about it's the they announced that it was coming out on August 28th. They found a new date after being pulled from April 3rd of this year. But it's been an ongoing carousel for this film for throughout the year since it was filmed in 2017, directed by Josh Boone with Anya Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams, and it just seemed like this is something that could actually come out on the on in theaters on August 28th, or it might move again. We don't know. Things could happen in the next few months that could indicate that New Mutants could move once again. So I made that a poll question that I put out on Twitter, and a lot of resounding results. I want to thank you guys for putting out your answers and your thoughts about it and really making this a really cool poll to really put out there and get a lot of responses for. So I thank you for that. And it seemed like a overwhelming, resounding result was that it will move again from a lot of people I put out a yes or no, and a lot of people, 85%, think that it will move again. Now, does that mean it'll move to another release date, or could it move onto Hulu, which a lot of people are clamoring for right now, just because I think there is a a interest in seeing this movie right now, just because there have been so many behind-the-rumors or, or behind-the-scenes rumors about this film of, that there were supposed to be 50% reshoots, but there's no reshoots now, and they can't reshoot anything because the kids are grown up a lot more now than they were when they first filmed. So there would be a very there would be a, a big difference in the film when you could know when they reshot something to when they originally did something in their principal photography. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But right now it has its October 20th release date. But I agree that like many people, 85% do think that'll move again, and I think. In short while, it will move to Hulu. Even though Disney wants to abide by the theatrical experience for this movie, no matter how much it makes at this point, I think at some point they're just going to say, this movie really is cursed. There's no way of it ever coming out in theaters, no matter what we do. And I would not be surprised if they decide to put it out on Hulu. So thank you guys for doing that Twitter poll, and I'll definitely have more coming out soon whenever a question comes up that I think is something that a lot of people could be interested in. So make sure to check out for a lot more questions on Twitter in the coming weeks and months ahead, and maybe even days ahead. I'll definitely have a lot more coming soon. Now to move on to the main topics that are in hand today, and the first one that I want to talk about is a a storyline, not even a story, but really an interview that came out regarding the Mission Impossible sequels that are set to come out. And this comes exclusively from the Like the Fuse podcast, which if you haven't checked out the, the the podcast, especially this episode, it's mainly they talk about Mission Impossible and the interview, a lot of people behind the movies. And they did an over two-hour interview with Christopher McQuarrie, who is directing the next two films, along with directing the previous two in Rogue Nation and Fallout, which are, de- are without a doubt the best two Mission Impossible films that come out to date so far. And then you have Simon Pegg, who has been a mainstay in the franchise, along with Haley Atwell, who is a newcomer and signed on for the seventh and potentially the eighth film 
in this franchise. And they also had the composer Lauren Baff on as well. But a lot of the center focused on McQuarrie, Peg, and Haley Atwell. And they came on at numerous points. And I'm still listening to the interview, but I was able to take out a few things from it and some things that are talking about for the previous films and some new tidbits regarding the sequels that are set to follow. And it was really amazing. I definitely recommend that you guys check it out. And the first thing that I was really talking about with McQuarrie is about the the storylines and breaking them into two pieces and why he wanted to do that instead of making this one whole movie. And I'm going to let him speak for himself because he says on the podcast, and I quote, when we went into making Fallout, I said to Tom, I really want to make this more of an emotional journey for Ethan Hunt. Going into this, I said, I want to take what we learned from Fallout and apply it to every character in the movie. I want everyone to have an emotional arc. I just want the movie to have more feeling across the board. We realized we had a movie that was two hours and 40 minutes long, and every scene in it was necessary. The ending of the first movie snapped into place. We knew what the ending was, and we knew what the beginning was. And now I had these two sequences, which means I've got 40 minutes of Mission Impossible 8 figured out. And... The podcast, and, and I read a few articles as well that go on to really talk about how Christopher McQuarrie sees these films as 20-minute segments within the films themselves. So with Fallout, he breaks it up basically by every single action sequence and then fills in the gaps from there. And it's worked really well so far for him. I mean, again, the last two films that he's done, he's written, directed, have been the best in the series. And he's won an Academy Award for creating a neo-noir thriller with the usual suspects on which that had a twist ending and the mission of possible fallout films that he's done have had really great twists not just in the ending or one in the beginning or the middle it's throughout the film that it keeps audiences guessing on and being on their toes and someone could be on one side but then it could completely end up on another side and something might seem like something is happening but then it's turned on its heels right away and that is what made Fallout such a great film when it came out in 2018 and the same thing with Rogue Nation and so I liked how he talked about shooting these action sequences first and really also talking about having characters have emotional arcs and I think what made also Fallout great is the fact that we really got to go into the the psyche into the personality of Ethan Hunt and we kind of got into the in a, into an emotional core and the story was really geared towards him and his arc and I really enjoyed that, and, and I'm hoping that we get more of that with whether it's Benji's character, who's played by Simon Pegg, or Vin Rames's character, or, or even Rebecca Ferguson's as well. And we've gotten little snippets throughout the last two movies, but to go in it deep more in these next two, I think is going to be really interesting. And if Rogue Nation and Fallout are any indication, I think we're in for a real treat of what McCoy's going to do from an emotional story angle. Then he goes on to talk about the shooting, the principal photography, and... Mission Impossible was really the first principal production to really go on hiatus. They were set to film in Venice, and then they were going to go to Rome, and they were just days away, McCoy talks about on the podcast, from shooting in Venice, and then the the government shut it down, and it became a ghost town, and they couldn't do it, but then they were going to decide to shoot in Rome, which he confirmed on the podcast, saying that Rome is one of the places that they will be in location on. And then he, when they were going to try to film there, they shut the government and, and the country down and the and the area down as well. So they couldn't do that as well. So there was no way – there's no principal photography done on the film whatsoever, which is why it made sense for Paramount to announce that the sequels were moved in 2021 and 2022 to November instead of the summertime. 
And then after that, he goes on, along with Haley Atwell, who, again, Simon Pegg and Haley Atwell come in throughout the episode. It really just was a really kind of cool, laid-down, chill podcast. And again, I highly recommend listening to it. But Haley Atwell's character came on, or Haley Atwell came on and talked about her character. And it was funny where right away when she came on, the, 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 the moderators were saying, Haley, why don't you kind of say what, what, what your character is and, and what you're supposed to do in the movie? And then she was talking about, well, I don't know if I can say anything with Chris around or if I, if I should say anything. And Chris kind of gave the funny, jokingly gave her free and said, you can talk about whatever you want, Kaylee. The next day, it could be completely changed for all we know. So that's how the, he's, it just shows that him and Tom Cruise and what the article says is they're always on their toes changing things up as the production goes along because in Fallout, they were changing up the script as they were going and it wasn't just a complete script from beginning to end. They changed up day in and day out and sometimes that doesn't really work on a script and it can completely make a, a movie go by the wayside but sometimes and it has worked it worked on joker and for mission impossible it seems to work in that favor as well but now going back to Haley atwell's character she talks about how or her and mcquarrie rather talk about how her character is somebody who is on really could be on one side or the other it's a really good adversary for the for the character and, and for the crew and she's somebody that the that the crew is going to run into and so i thought that was really interesting and mccrory talks about it in the movie or in the podcast and he says in this film we found something really really great for the core team what i can tell you is that they and they then encounter this other destructive force of in the form of Haley. And they also talk about her screen test alone was a two-hour stunt audition, and apparently she can work really well with a knife, and I guess it involved the knife in some way, shape, or form. But it just goes to show that even in an audition for Haley Atwell, it was a grueling, just physical audition that she had to go through because of the, of the demand that comes with this franchise in the way that it's shaped right now and the way that audiences love it and the streak that they're on right now demands a physical performance. And so she talks about that, and then Macquarie also talks about going through the audition and, and going through it with Haley Atwell. It is truly something to see. The work that you've done, the dedication you've shown, the focus, and quite frankly, your fighting talent with a knife are all stuff that I'm very, very, very excited for people to see. It is a very different side of Haley. And then he goes on to say, for Haley to exist in a franchise where other women had come and made statements, we said, well, it can't be like that. We don't want Haley to be a repeat of any character that had come before. What's left? What's unique and new? We wrote a scene about what we imagined the spark of that character to be, and that's what Haley came in and read. What we discovered there is this energy that Haley had specifically, an energy with Tom. It's not a vibe. It's like a vibration. You felt it, and you were like, I don't know what to make of this person. And I love, again, how McQuarrie is going into these details in character and not just overall plot or action. But along the way, even if he's updating it all the way, he has an idea of these are the characters that need that and, and the journey that they go on. This is what I really want to dive into. So I'm interested in that. And also, it sounds like we're going to be getting a different side of Haley Abel that we haven't seen before. For people that know her so well for her role as Peggy Carter and Cap the First Avenger and her other entries in the MCU, we might be getting something different from that counterpart. So I'm really excited about that, and it sounds like that is what made Haley Atwell really excited about joining this project. So she also talked about 
actually going on here and, and, and starting off. She says, there's ambiguity. The interesting thing we're exploring is her resistance to a situation she finds herself in, how she starts off, where she becomes, the journey of what she comes into, and what is asked of her potentially where she ends up. So again, some great tidbits about a character, not getting too much into spoilery detail because they haven't really shot anything, so they can't talk about really actually playing these characters, only what has come from the script that McQuarrie has really been working on. And so just in the character, not development, but the character description of what is going to be her character, I'm really excited about hearing that. And then in the podcast, McQuarrie went on to confirm multiple players that will be returning to the franchise, including Vin Rames, who has been in now in both Rogue Nation and Fallout, being two consecutive Mission Impossible films. Rebecca Ferguson was also confirmed to come back. Vanessa Kirby, who was a standout in a minor role in Fallout, is coming back. And Balf will be coming back as well. So a lot of recurring key characters that made the last two Mission Impossible films really what they were and made them special because of really, even though we went more into Ethan Hunt's character arc and we're going into these other ones from what McCory's saying, it also filled out the IMF team really well with these personalities and characters that we love while introducing new ones and having us really kind of develop them whenever they were on screen. So it makes sense to have them back. And I'm excited to see Rebecca Ferguson. Is she really going to be part of the IMF team now? Or is she going to be still with the, the British intelligence or... It's interesting to see where their relationship goes from there, and it's really, really interesting to see where these films are going to be going from here. Because again, Bakori has done some outstanding things, and I can't wait to see the action, which he says is insane, and they talk about Tom Cruise's next film or one of his next projects about going to space and says Mission Impossible isn't going to space yet or right now, but they have some exciting action sequences that they're bringing to the table. And really, when you think about action franchises nowadays, you think of John Wick, but really mainly you also think about Fast and Furious and Mission Impossible are the two mainstays. And you're always looking for each film. How are they going to top the ante for every single one of their films? And with Mission Impossible, it's always about Tom Cruise. What's he going to do next? He climbed the highest, the tallest building in the world and goes protocol, the fourth one. He hanged off the side of the plane in the fifth. And then, of course, in this one, he was skydiving, motorcycling. He was he, he injured his ankle or his foot while jumping across buildings. What This guy is just a daredevil. And so I think that is really what makes people anticipated for these movies is how are they going to top themselves? And it seems like McCory has been able to do that with not just one but multiple action sets that he's looking to do with these two films. So I'm excited about that, and these films are coming out again on November 19th and 2021 and November of 2022. And the last thing McCory, at least uh, that I want to point out McCory's talking about, was he said that there was another casting announcement, another actor or actress that hadn't been confirmed yet, and they were talking with that person before COVID shut down, but... It seems like they didn't get a deal done yet, but McCoy was hyping this person up because they McCoy said that this person is going to be a game changer, that this person is really going to have an impact in the IMF franchise. So this isn't just a, a, a recurring member or a supporting actor. This is going to be somebody that is going to make a big statement, and I'm excited to see who it is whenever we get the announcement coming forward. But there's a mixture of old and new members coming to this franchise. Nicholas Holt is going to be a part of it. So I'm really excited to see where they go with MI7 and MI8. It seems like they have a lot of great stuff in store for us in the next few years. What do you guys think about the details surrounding Mission Impossible 7 and 8? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave 
your thoughts. Now moving on to another world that is not a galaxy far, far away, although it takes place in another galaxy, but takes place in another world, the world of Pandora. And yesterday, the Avatar Twitter page released a behind-the-scenes photo of Zoe Saldana, Sam Worthington, Kate Winslet, and Cliff Curtis in a photo in water and motion capture suits playing with little noodles, and it seems like they were having a really good time. And Zoe Saldana and Sam Worthington returned to the franchise that they started in in 09 with Cameron. And you have newcomers Kate Winslet we heard was coming on along with Cliff Curtis. And it seems like they confirmed that they will be at least playing some kind of Na'vi native with the motion capture suits that they have on. And in in the, the header of the of the of the the caption for tw- of the Twitter photo, it also said, "Fun fact: much of the performance capture took place in this 900,000 gallon tank." built specifically for these sequels and we've heard for many 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 years now that the next film in the avatar franchise or really the next few films in the avatar franchise are going to take place underwater and cameron was looking to kind of like what he did with mocap in spending a lot of years in in how to do underwater filmmaking and creating these this new tech and it seems like he's really trying to go all the way in on this. And for someone who's been spending a decade plus working on these, I would hope he's doing that. But James Cameron, throughout his filmography, and you look at what he's done, he's always been fascinated with the aquatic life and really filming underwater and utilizing different techniques. And it seems like he's incorporating those aspects, but also others to really kind of give us a new, breathtaking, groundbreaking landscape like he did with the first Avatar film. And really, to me, this signals, this photo just really get, gets, gets me excited for what we're going to get with the Avatar films. But before I go into what else I think about it, Cameron also talked about the technology with Collider.com. And he talked about really what makes him a genius in the respect of creating this new tech for filmmaking, really. And he talks about this, this, this swimsuit, the swimwear technology, in which he says... It's never been done before, and it's very tricky because our motion capture system, like most motion capture systems, is what they call optical base, meaning that it uses markers that are photographed with hundreds of cameras. The problem with the water is that the underwater part, it's not the underwater part, but the interface between air and the water, which forms a moving mirror. That moving mirror reflects all the dots and markers, and it creates a bunch of false markers. It's a little bit like a fighter plane dumping a bunch of shaft to confuse the radar system of a missile. It creates thousands of false targets, so we've had to figure out how to get around that problem, which we did. Basically, whenever you add water to any problem, it just gets 10 times harder. And from the picture, you can see that it seems like those swimsuits that the actors are wearing are specifically designed to help with the motion capture underwater. You see the the little dots around all their faces, which you would usually see in motion capture on land and filming on, on actual land and, and not in water, but it seemed like they have these really big orange dots on them that maybe are probably the, 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 the trackers that they're using to capture the image that they need in order to put in any other in, an interface that they need to with the technology. And to me, this just confirms again and again that Cameron is going to give us something unforgettable once again, with at least with the second Avatar film and probably with the sequels as well. It's just he spent from Avatar to from Titanic, from 97 to 2009, he was working on the first Avatar film. 
And he was already the king of the box office with Titanic, and he became the king of the box office once again with Avatar. And he just delivers groundbreaking cinema that is just phenomenal. I remember seeing Avatar in theaters and just being blown away by how immersed that world was. And everything taking place there was in a studio. It wasn't real, but it felt real. It looked real. And so I'm excited to see what Cameron does with this this water and and filming underwater and how he probably makes aquatic life look so real in this tank and and I cannot wait to see what he does and you see those little white the, those white ping pong balls that are on the surface and there was another image that talked about it and I was reading and hearing from a lot of people that those little white ping pong balls basically act as a shield from the light that is coming down from the studio so say if they want to get that they, they want to get other light from the cameras in the tank the natural light those white ping pong balls are blocking the natural light that is coming from the surface so you don't have to deal with it and basically whenever the actors need to come up from the water it doesn't disrupt the the wall whatsoever basically when they submerge themselves again it just lines itself up perfectly so that no natural light comes through and this is something that Cameron himself has been working on with a lot of creators as well and it's it's just genius and it, and I'm just so excited to see footage of this just to see what it is and I think I don't know if this there's going to be that debate of can Cameron retake his box office crown from Marvel Studios and Avengers Endgame and that will always be a It'll always be a headline for many, many years as long as Avatar films are keep getting made. Or is one going to knock off the other from Avengers Endgame and retake that that spot? But I'm just really interested in seeing how the people's responses to these films. But also, what has he really been up to? What's the story? Because I love the technical stuff, but I also want to see what the story of this is. Because, again, the it, the first Avatar film had a very basic plot line which it fitted its needs and it was good but it was really the it was overtaken by the the wow factor of the tech and the same thing is probably might happen here but wh where have these characters been what have they been doing who else is going to be involved because we've been hearing Sigourney Weaver's coming back Stephen Lang's coming back Michelle Yeoh is is coming into the franchise there's so many people that we know are coming to this cast whether they're on the this new film or whether they're coming in Avatar 3 or Avatar 4 What's the story going forward? So as much as I'm interested in the tech, and the tech is amazing, and I'm going to be tracking it for as long as I can, it's also about what is the story going forward. So I want to hear more about the story. I want to see footage of this, and I think that'll start getting me excited a lot more than where I am right now. I'm still excited, but I think my excitement is geared towards more of the technical aspect because I love seeing the tech aspect of filmmaking, and there's nobody better at, a, at creating a technical aspect and creating new technology for filmmaking than James Cameron is. So it gets me excited on a technical technical aspect, for, but for an overall aspect, I need to hear a little bit more about this. But I think this photo, if anything also, and these last few photos that have come out over the weeks, is just more reassurance that these films are happening. That, there, again, there has been so many years, and people have been saying that New Mutants is cursed, that Avatar is cursed as well. I wouldn't say that much per se because it's just... It needed to get done. It needed to be, be filmed, and they're filming right now for him. But I think over the years we've heard about these films, are they actually going to happen? And these are just reassurances that, yes, these films are being made. Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, 
they're back. They're actually helping to make this film become a reality, and these films become a reality. And it's going to, if it has the same success or near the same success as the first Avatar, then we'll be getting Avatar 4 and Avatar 5 because right now it's going to be Avatar 2 and 3 coming out on December 2021 and December 2023. And then there's going to be a year break to see is it are people coming to these movies and then they'll be making Avatar 4 and 5 for release in 2025 and 2027. So as long as people keep on watching these these films, I think we're we're going to be encased in Avatar and James Cameron's name for the entire decade. And so I'm excited about that. It makes me interested and I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, but I need to see more from what these Avatar films are going to deliver. But this gives a great case of showing the tech aspect and at least reassuring people that these films are actually happening. What do you guys think about these Avatar behind-the-scenes photos? Let me know what you think about them on, on, the, on the social media posts. Do you think that these Avatar behind-the-scenes photos are really cool? Are you excited about them? Let me know what you think about them. Moving on to some casting news that is happening for Olivia Wilde's next film. And Dakota Johnson will be joining the cast of Don't Worry Darling, which has now become a one of the most anticipated casts for the next few years, at least. When you add Dakota Johnson, who is a very good actress, she was good in Fifty Shades of Grey, but she's been good in, in a few other films as well that have come out over the years. And she's joining a stat cast that includes Florence Pugh, who's leading the cast, Chris Pine, and she's reuniting with her Peanut Butter Falcon co-star, Shia LaBeouf, for this film. And Olivia Wilde will be directing, producing, and having a supporting role in the film as well. So... She can really do no wrong right now. She's really on, well, she's only had one film, but that one film was phenomenal enough that people love it. And it seems like Don't Worry Darling is is a really hot topic right now because, because of really Olivia Wilde. And the cast is on this because of Olivia Wilde. People want to work with her right now. And even though she's had one film, again, that one film knocked it out of the park. And I've always said this about new directors and as long as, especially for actors that are becoming directors, you always want to start out first in directing before putting yourself into actually acting in it. And then once you kind of get your feet under you, then you can write and then you can direct and then you can become a, an actor on it as well. And it seems like Olivia Wilde has that confidence enough where she's going to act in this, produce it, and direct it. And so I'm excited to see it. And this cast is just amazing. I love Chris Pine, Shia LaBeouf, Dakota Johnson, but to have Florence Pugh, who if the the details of this film, which it's there's no specific plot, but the setting of it is an isolated utopian community in the 1950s California desert and centers on a housewife who uncovers a disturbing truth about her seemingly perfect life. And for people that have seen Midsummer and have seen her performance, which I think really kind of stapled her into somebody to really, really look out for, and it was just solidified even more with an Oscar nomination for Little Woman last year, then if you see Midsummer, this sounds exactly up that alley for the kind of acting she did for that role for Ari Aster's film. So I'm excited to see what she sinks her teeth into in this film. Same thing with Chris Pine, Shia LaBeouf. This just gets me really excited and is a project to really look out on the horizon for in the next few years. Moving on now to some dealing news that is happening with Netflix. And in, in the wake, once again, of, the, of COVID-19 and this pandemic that we're living in right now, a lot of streaming services have been making deals with studios for films that were supposed to have theatrical releases. But because of what is becoming a backlog now of films in 
the latter half of 2020, it seems like a lot of films need to get out there in some way, shape, or form. And it seems like Netflix has acquired another film from MGM and Orion Pictures, and that is Bad Trip, which stars Eric Andre Little and and or excuse me, Eric Andre and Little Ray Howard and Tiffany Haddish. And it was the thing about this story is that it was previously on Amazon Prime. It was supposed to debut at the South by Southwest Film Festival. It was canceled. And it was it looked like it was gonna be a part of that Amazon festival that Prime and South by Southwest were going to embark on, but Orion Pictures didn't want that film on there, and so they put it on Amazon Prime, and then they took it down immediately, but within that time period that it was on there, people were downloading the film, pirating the film, and so I guess they were worried enough that it was going to get out there eventually to make a deal with Netflix and try to make some money off of it in some way, shape, or form, and just like Bat- Little The Lovebirds, Bat Trip is going to premiere, have a, a, a release date that looks theatrical, the same as The Lovebirds, so... It's interesting. It, it makes total sense in the, in the climate that we're living in right now, and this just adds to the portfolio for Netflix right now, where they're making these deals and they see that they need to, they can put more and more and more and more content in times like this, where people are just glued to the televisions looking for something to watch, and the big primary escape to that is Netflix. So they know just keep churning out content as best as you possibly can, whether that's original content that they were producing and creating on their own or if it's stuff that they can deal out and shelve out money to get deals for these other films. So it makes a lot of sense. And Bad Trip has a mixture of kind of that jackass found footage kind of documentary style with a linear storyline that makes it interesting. It looked pretty funny. I saw the trailer for it. If you're a fan of, of that kind of style, then I think you might find some enjoyment in this film and the final thing that I want to talk about today, guys, on the Sam Bissell podcast is news that came out last night from Variety talking about Matrix 4. And Matrix 4 is with Warner Brothers, and they shut down their production slate in March when everything else was shutting down. And now, according to Variety, they have signed an eight-week extension to keep the actors on hold for the project until at least July 6th. So right now, Warner Brothers, at least, or the production of this film at least are looking to start filming by July to finish up production because they were in the middle gearing towards the end of that principal photography. They began shooting in February. They were shooting in San Francisco and then they were moving to Berlin in mid-March before production was shut down in Europe. So it seemed like they were finishing up in Berlin before wrapping up principal photography. So I think before Keanu Reeves is in high demand right now, so before he probably starts to work on the new John Wick movie, he needs to finish up production on matrix four but they the studio probably doesn't want to create a scheduling problem for their prime actor for another major franchise that he's a part of so i think this is a, a smart move by warner brothers to keep carry on carry on moss yaya mumbatu you you have neil patrick harris you want to keep all your actions before they move on to other projects so you can finish up the last few weeks i have no doubt that laura wachowski is going to finish up production for this she knows this franchise like the back of her hand. She's been a part of it. She created it with her sister. And so I think they'll get this done and it'll come out in time for 2021. Now, the the interesting question, not even issue, but the interesting question comes into play. Does it stay on its date of May 21st, 2021, or does it move to somewhere else in 2021? So I think they, if, if it's... Good to go for July. I think they will get it done in time 
for summer of 2021 where Warner Brothers can have a main staple that people will be looking forward to. So I, the question is, is production going to happen? Is production going to be allowed enough in Berlin where they can allow foreign productions to happen again? Because even though we don't think of U.S. production as foreign in other countries, our, our U.S. productions are foreign. So it becomes a matter of a lot of international or a lot of worldwide countries are letting films begin, uh, productions begin again. And so it's it's starting to lift up where films that were shooting in Czech Republic in the U.K., are starting to lift up slowly but surely, and I think one of them soon will be Berlin for The Matrix to begin shooting. So I, I think it's something to keep an eye out on. It makes sense to sign an extension for the cast so they don't have any kind of scheduling conflicts, Because especially with Keanu. You don't want that for him, and you become involved in this mix-up with Lionsgate, and they have a major franchise, which Lionsgate for them, John Wick, is really their main franchise right now that they that they hold to a big standard right now. So I think they want to make sure they have their guy ready to go when it comes out on in 2022. What do you guys think about this? Let me know what you think in the social media post. Let me know what you think down below in your comments on Twitter and Facebook, what you think about this news. And guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Gold Driven Professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out our brand new show, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media, at Basel Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much, again, for tuning into the Sam Basel Podcast, and until next time, keep on screening.